All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name is Michael Duran. I'm here with my co-host, Robert Husky, kicking off season four of the Media 1099 podcast. So we are very excited about that, but maybe not as excited as we are just to put 2020 in our rearview mirror right now. So to ceremoniously cleanse ourselves from last year, we're kicking off our first creative interview of 2021 with the wonderful Tyler Douglas. Tyler is a sports and active lifestyle photographer with nearly two decades of experience as an art director, which will provide us a unique perspective of the visual arts that we've never really had on this show before. So we're very excited to have him. Let's just bring him in all the way from Portland, Oregon. Tyler, thank you so much for being here, man, and and welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. And hello, Robert. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for uh, giving us some of your time today. So with 2020 now pretty much in the rearview mirror, um, how has that kind of altered your photography game plan from like the experience of, you know, COVID in 2020, looking forward to 2021? I'm just eager to get back out there. I think it's been a huge pause and I know we've all experienced that. Um, my game plan, I think, isn't really going to change. It's just getting back out there and trying to shoot more and certainly trying to make up some time, I think, from from this this year. Yeah, it feels like that pause button um, is it's really it's interesting because you have a flow of things and you're used to, you know, interacting with people in a certain way, especially if you're photographing them. And now we're kind of in this buffer area of like, do we do handshakes? How close are you, you know, getting comfortable uh, getting next to me? Has any of that changed uh, how you talk and communicate with your clients? Well, um, I, I think you have to just take it. Uh, responsibly. I think, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're just aware of the situation. You try to keep things as normal as possible and you respect their space and, you know, respect yours, um, maintain a safe distance and just um, have expectations lined up, you know, before you're meeting a person and before you're actually on location shooting. So, I think- yeah, Tyler, how did you get into photography talk me walk me through that did you go into school for photography did you just kind of pick this up later in life or or walk me through that process yeah it was something that came into my life later I I took a class in high school um, as a freshman where I was introduced to black and white film photography Um, got to get some experience in the dark room Uh, we did a field trip in the city of Portland where we just spent an afternoon photographing whatever we found interesting kind of a street photography assignment and it was through that class, which included other art forms, that I, you know, just really kind of fell in love with photography. I also had influences around me, such as an aunt and uncle, who were both artistic and creative in their own right. Um, I was around Photoshop at a young age, and I think all of those things combined just to, along with my natural talent that I recognized at an early age, that hey, I'm creative, I can do this well, and photography is a part of. Um, the design and typography that I also enjoy and I'm good at. So it just kind of came together, I guess, seamlessly and and from no particular point in time. It just evolved. Mm-hmm. And you, you spent a lot of time as an art director, which I think is fascinating because a lot of photographers, like myself, like Robert, we have experience with art directors, but we don't really know exactly what the job entails all the time. What do you think, or, or through your experience, and it may differ depending on the company or whoever you're working for, what does art direction mean to you? Um, it's about having an overall vision. It's about 
tying things together, tying the ultimate message together with great visuals, great typography, um, making a clear impact with, with your visual communication. And so art direction is kind of more than design. You're not, um, say, assigned to a, a logo in particular or, hey, lay, lay out this photo or treat the photo just that way. It's, it's bringing an overall vision to the project and you're kind of wearing multiple hats and you are kind of coordinating things to make sure this, this piece of advertising gets out there, looks good, mm-hmm. meets the objectives and, um, you know, something that you're proud of. When you're, when you're, you have the art director hat on, how do you communicate, you know, what visual look or feel or style you're, you're wanting from your photographer, you know, because I feel, I haven't worked with a lot of art directors, but I feel like sometimes it's, it's hard to communicate something through words that is a visual end product. I think it just, it starts with, you know, sourcing other images, things that you find inspiring Mm-hmm. Um, knowing the vocabulary, speaking a, des- a design language, um, just showing examples of, hey, here's here's tone and vibe and feel. Here's lighting we like. You know, we're trying to achieve this result. Um, you know, the ad is about about this. So, um, you know, bring your energy towards that, harness that, and I think you'll get on the same page pretty quickly. So, do you guys have like a lot of? mood board meeting sessions just kind of looking over okay we pulled from here we pulled from here kind of like an in-person pinterest board so to speak and just kind of talk about um this is what we're trying to pull from here yeah exactly and a lot of that happens internally up front you're you're talking with your fellow other art directors your creative director you're coming up with that game plan you're kind of making um a lot of edits along the way you're killing certain ideas that aren't meeting the objective and you you arrive at something that's good something that you feel is um in the right photo direction at that point you then can bring in the photographer explain that and and they are just focused on that one direction so i'm, I'm interested in this kind of hierarchy here so you know the, the problem that i have is that there's so many damn titles right there are just so many there's art directors there's directors of photography there's the producers the creative like who is in charge of hiring the photographer photographers in your respect? Uh, the art directors would do recommendations. They would put together maybe a short list of photographers that they want to work with, who mm-hmm. they think you know the style is a great fit. So they put together that recommendation. The creative director is often the one who has the connection with the client, along with the account executive. They're the ones having those conversations with the client and they present that recommendation. The client ultimately makes the decision though. Right. Did you ever have like a lot of, um, were people trying to connect with you as an art director thinking that you had the final say in terms of, uh, you can hire me. Did you ever come across that? Cause I'm always sending the emails to the wrong person thinking, Oh, this is the person that I need to talk to. And it's really, you know, the other person, the creative director. I have had that experience. And, um, you know, again, while I don't make the ultimate decision, it certainly is still a, a good step for that photographer to reach out to me. Yeah, it pays to know you. It, it, yeah, it doesn't hurt at all. I can relay that information up the chain. I certainly will keep their name, their website on file and refer to it in the future. So it's it's a good move. Right. Um, 
so earlier you, you mentioned short lists, like you'd give a short list of recommendations. Um, when you, you're compiling that short list, is it people you've worked with with the past that were like, oh, this person was on time, had a great experience, uh, this other person has great photos? Like, how do you, as a photographer, hop on that short list? Yeah, um, it is tricky. I think there's no secret formula to it. <laughs> it can come down to, you know, having worked together in the past, that certainly helps the art director and the team know that person's personality. They know what they're going to get. So it's easy to put them on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the project, though, is requiring a different style completely. So you have to look at other photographers who you haven't worked with before. And it's from there that you just, you know, hopefully have an in-person meeting with them to see their book and get a feel for their personality before you recommend them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it has to be kind of rough because if you haven't looked uh, worked with somebody, you know, you're you're kind of sticking your neck out there a little bit for them. Of like, I saw their book; they seem like a nice person, and that in you know in the interview, and then you're like, okay, it's up in the air when the photo shoot is actually happening day of. Yeah, I think I think though um, we're dealing with a echelon of photographers who are so pro that you don't have to worry too much actually about okay. whether they're going to pull this off. Right. We're not dealing with amateurs or, you know, middle level photographers. These are, especially in, um, entertainment advertising, we're dealing with photographers who have shot celebrities mm-hmm. right there, right? There's huge barriers to entry. If you're doing that, we know you can be counted on, you know, you can be trusted. So that also takes some guesswork out of it. We know these are, professional top tier photographers, they're going to bring a lot to the table. We can confidently recommend them. And uh, how has 2020 kind of impacted that line of work? Because I know that you still do art direction as well on top of the photography. Do you have these Zoom calls? Do you have um, kind of online meetings to discuss the next project? What's that like? You know, I wish I had more of that. I've always enjoyed the time when I can meet a photographer, see their book in person, talk about their past experiences and that's kind of rare unfortunately so um that has not happened at all in 2020 mm-hmm. the projects do continue though and again that list is on file and you you certainly don't forget those names so um i, I think everyone's kind of chomping at the bit to get out there and work again and certainly to work with a photographer as soon as we can and what kind of projects, I know that you and I talked on the phone the other day about this, you know, what kind of projects do you normally do as an art director or what, what's, what has stood out to you as like, okay, these, this has been a fun project to work on. Um, it's well, my career's kind of varied. So when I first started, I was in traditional corporate advertising and now currently I'm in entertainment advertising. They're, they're different in the experiences right now. I'm building movie posters and TV posters. I'm working with images that are given to me uh, from the photographer, like a whole, you know, enormous folder of assets with actors and celebrities in there that I'm photoshopping and putting together into a poster. Early on, though, I was doing less of that and I was working um, on set with photographers doing more regional advertising. And that was a that was more hands on time, I guess. I was working with the photographer directly are directing that shoot, kind of working with the models and um, the the projects, I guess, I, I was closer to that project, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It was kind of more of my baby, I guess. 
has that shifted um, that mindset where was that jump hard where you're, you know, kind of more hands-on approach compared to now you're getting, you know, files and asset folders and then putting it together in Photoshop? Um, it hasn't been a hard jump because it's taken years to kind of make that transition. Mm-hmm. And I've learned along the way and I've adjusted. Um, I think what I miss, though, is just being on set. That yeah. That's also what really inspired me into photography is having that those cool experiences on set with the photographer and being in a new creative space. So I'm, I'm not able to be in that so much anymore just because the stakes are so high. You know, it's going to be the creative director who's going to be flying to Toronto or London for this photo shoot. The client's going to be there. The the talent's going to be there. I'm unfortunately not invited. So <laughs> <laughs> things are different that way, but so well, be it. Yeah, well, that was going to lead into my next question of, of how you kind of fell into photography and, and having that experience, connecting with photographers, working on these projects together. Um, what really, you know, you talked a little bit about being on set. Uh, what other elements there really inspired you to kind of move towards a photographic career? Um, it's partly it's it's wanting to get away from the computer. I'm really tied down to the computer when designing. You can't be productive in any other way but to be on the computer. Mm-hmm. And so, part of me wants to be outdoors or to be you know free moving in a studio, and. I always enjoy getting out of the office and going somewhere else for a photo shoot and having more movement, like true physical movement. Right. Um, that's that's one aspect that that's drawn me towards the profession. And two is just all through all of that scrap searching, researching photographers, and coming across millions of fantastic images. It's just super exciting to to think about those images and think about that moment they shot that and where they were. And you know, part of me wants to be that athlete in that image or be there on that mountaintop taking those photos with that, with that talent. So that's also what's drawn me. It's kind of, kind of a daydreaming I would do at work. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel you. I think 2020 has just, um, it's forced everybody to even jaded photographers that are always on location and, and shooting events. And that's been compromised. We're all like itching to get back to it because it's, it's just been a tough year. Um, what do you think, you took away from that experience in advertising and and being an art director to your photography from a a visual style. Did you take anything away? Yeah, I think it's, it's about being bold and graphic, right? I like, I like design that's, that's clean and minimal, but bold and and strong. Um, I love typography. So I think some of those elements are what I like in photography. So looking for images that are bold and crisp and have a, a sense of geometry to them. Mm-hmm. I think composition is a huge thing because that's so imperative in design. So I'm, I'm bringing that to my images. If you don't mind, what, what do you mean specifically about uh, composition? What does that mean to you from a, from your perspective? Um, is it, is it like negative space? Is it, you know, enough border? What, what kind of composition are you looking for? Yeah, that is part of it. It's, you know, utilizing negative space that could potentially hold a headline, right? Or a copy yeah. block, mm-hmm. um, having some, having bleed so that it, it definitely presents well on a, you know, two page spread or a cover of a magazine. That's definitely part of it. But also um, using those design elements as a way to, to 
you know, tell a story to bring interest to the photograph. I think, um, what I'm doing is trying to bring just as much impact and attention to the background as I am to the subject. And so with that in mind, I've got to make sure the background looks good and that it is composed well and things aren't cut off. And I'm, you know, maybe utilizing leading lines to the subject. I'm, I'm really thinking from a design eye when I'm photographing. Right. Do you, do you ever have like a, an internal battle between like, Oh, this design of maybe a little bit more negative space or a two page spread compared to, or if I were to just shoot really, really tight, you know, the photo itself would be more impactful. Is there ever a, a balance or a battle going on when you're behind the lens? Um, you know, unless a client is directing that, then I think I'm free to kind of explore both mm-hmm. angles. So yeah, I don't feel like, oh, I'm tied to this only. I've always got to shoot wide. I've got to have a lot of negative space. I just keep that in mind. You know, I'm, I'm aware of that. I like to capture those, those shots, but also I'm free to move in tighter and that always leads to a more impactful image as well. So yeah. I think it's only when you're really, um, you know, following the client's direction, working with that art director, ensuring you're getting this image that's going to logistically work once it's laid out. That's mm-hmm. important. Um, to to kind of answer Robert's question on on my part, I do have that internal battle. Like I, because I have a tendency to shoot tight, um, and sometimes like I did this for a recent client who was a clothing line, and they were putting it up. I didn't realize that they were going to put it, the images up on like a very thin banner on their website. Um, and so it cuts off like a lot of their heads because of the way that I had shot it. They didn't really, it's kind of on their fault. They didn't tell me, but um, I, I have that internal battle all the time. Yeah, yeah I, I think, oh, sorry, Robert. No, oh, I was just going to add, like, I think it's, it's hard because we were like, as I'm a kind of sports photographer and I feel like, you know, tight is right. And you always want to shoot close, close, close. And you forget sometimes that, yeah, there's going to be weird shapes that they have to find an image for. Yeah. And I was going to say that, you know, Michael, I think it was kind of a mistake on the client's part to not inform you of right. that ultimate yeah. Yeah. spot, right? You would have shot differently for that. Exactly. Um, that's a part of that, you know, creative brief and those initial conversations. So, and I wanted to, better. yeah, no, I agree. And thank you for having my back on that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to backtrack a little bit to uh, typography. What do, what do you mean by typography? Like, how are you game planning your shoots or thinking about that creatively with that in mind? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I guess it's about understanding that type has a personality to it. It has a tone and I'm trying to make images that are going to work well with certain type of type. And now that's kind of, I'm not saying I'm always thinking about this, but when I'm thinking about commercial advertising photography, and thinking about selling a, a you know a dynamic brand, I know there's going to be certain type in that ad and in that communication that's going to have a certain feel to it. I, so I kind of understand what that type's probably going to look like or how I might art direct it. Right. And so I I guess I'm just keeping tone in mind when shooting, and and type is a part of tone. Um, speaking of tone, you you say you really want the background to work with the images that you're creating. Do you do a lot of scouting? You know, are you just kind of walking around either, you know, Portland or Venice, like trying to find new spots or what does your, your scouting kind of routine look like? Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. 
Um, I love being outside. I do love hiking um, in LA and it's usually on those outings where I'm thinking, oh man, I, I wish I had a model right now. You know, I wish I had a shoot set up for this exact location. Mm-hmm. So um, I just keep that in the back of my mind. I, I keep a list on the computer as to kind of where I've been, what I thought could work for future shoots. So it starts with my, you know, my personal free time and just exploring these areas and finding, discovering things that I've never knew were there and mm-hmm. keeping them at the ready for a future shoot. Do, do you think it's necessary to, do you think it helps that you like being an outdoors person and hiking and exploring and that's kind of the photography lifestyle um adventure sport sporting look you're going for do you think that helps you see the potential in locations yeah absolutely i mean it's it's putting me there in the first place i'm experiencing it for myself i'm enjoying it as you know as a maybe a well a very novice rock climber or a backpacker mm-hmm. a camper i'm I'm enjoying these spaces and I've always enjoyed the outdoors. And so it's only at this point now in my life and career where I'm really wanting to bring the camera along and I want to make images in these places that actually have a commercial appeal because I understand the advertising world now. So it's all kind of um, coming together in a pretty synergistic way, which I like. So talk to me a little bit about, about rock climbing. How did you get into this? And then what goes into it, and especially when it comes to photographing, because you have some awesome photography uh, with rock climbers and you're getting into positions. Just walk me through that process of like what that's like and what it, what goes into it. Well, I've got a good story about that because I've, I've never been into rock climbing until these past couple of years. And I think, you know, the sport's really gotten popular recently, probably because of Instagram, because of Alex Honnold, free soloing, El Capitan. Mm-hmm. And... I, I wanted to get closer to it. I found it interesting for some reason, all of a sudden, and I wanted to get close to it. I wanted to photograph it, but just didn't know kind of where to go or who I would, or who, who was a climber that I know. And so I recall one Wednesday morning in LA, I wasn't working. And I said to myself, I, I'm just, I've got to go find some climbers and I'm going to go up to Big Bear because I know there's a place called Holcomb Valley up there, which is kind of a Mecca for climbing. I had that much knowledge, but I really didn't know where it was specifically. I didn't know if anyone would be there on a Wednesday morning, but I just made the assumption that someone's going to be there because it is such a great spot. So I, I jumped the car, went up there, parked the car, literally wasn't sure where to go. And thankfully, it was such a quiet and pristine place. I was just using my ears to try to hear voices and, you know, get me to, to the crags. And thankfully I did exactly that. I, I heard some voices headed that direction and boom, found this, found the pinnacles there. And then I discovered, wow, there's like eight people here climbing on a Wednesday. And it's like two or three different groups that are climbing on two different walls. And I just sort of inserted myself, you know, respectfully. Uh, I've, I wanted to be mindful of their space and mindful of, you know, the danger involved in this sport and wanted to kind of keep my distance, but also wanted to introduce myself and ask if I could shoot. And it, it just came down to that. It's simply asking. And climbers I've come to know are just super cool people. Yeah. And they're very relaxed. And each of them said, sure, go for it. And it's such a cool location because you actually can get elevated without having to climb yourself. 
So as opposed to shooting down below, which yield terrible shots, I'm able to boulder up, get kind of lateral mm-hmm. with a climber or get even get above them. And then, then of course, you have this gorgeous background behind them too. So I, I just spent the whole day shooting and getting to know these climbers and and some of them are, are still friends today. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think my advice there would be, you know, go for it. Let let that passion lead and, mm-hmm. and just let things fall into place and, and they will. Well, if we ever get Jimmy Chin on the uh, podcast, we'll have you like list off the questions to ask him, you know, about the technical details, because that stuff is fascinating. It absolutely is. I would love to talk to Jimmy and, and certainly he's in a, in a class of his own. Yeah. Could you describe your, um, no, no, rock climbing might be a little bit different, but uh, generally when you're doing your own shoots, when you're doing a, either a commission shoot or your own, um, what's your typical gear setup like? Super minimal. And, um, you know, I, I probably should have better gear, but I've told myself until I'm making more money and until I find a true need, then I'm not going to step up the gear game because Honestly, you have to just hone the craft. You have to hone your own eye and it doesn't matter what tool you have. So I just have a Canon 5D Mark II. I've got a simple speed light. I often use a foam core reflector and that is truly it. Maybe it may be a scrim, like a, a DIY silk, mm-hmm. super basic, but I've gotten all of my images through those tools or less. And I've, I mean, while I would love to have sure more resolution, I guess, and, and maybe sharper, better lenses and, and a, a greater variety of lenses, I'm content with what I have right now. And I think I've I've impressed myself using those basic tools. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, is and also that takes a lot of self restraint. I feel like I've struggled with that or any, you know, young photographer struggles with like, oh, if only if I had this lens or this much gear, this better light, I would create better you know, products or better finished images where you're taking the other approach of like, let me just work with what I have, push it to the limit. And then, like you said, like if, you know, in the future you need more needs or more niches, you could get it. But I feel like, man, I, part of the reason I got into photography was the tech gear side of it. You just get so excited of these new shiny objects. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, There is a lot out there, right? There's so much to choose from. and, And certainly I've, you know, I'm, I'm drooling over certain cameras out there right now. It would be awesome to have them. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, at the end of the day, when you put it away on the shelf, you know, it just sits there and it's a pretty expensive piece of equipment. And is that also really getting you better as an artist? It, it, it really, I don't think can, it has to start with you internally has to come from your own education, your own inspirations. You know, the art comes through you and through the tools. Mm-hmm. So but the tools won't make you, for the most part, they won't make you creative, but they might certainly make it easier to pull off certain shoots. That's true. Yeah, I, I've noticed on your your website, uh, looking at through the images, and it it seemed in most of your wrap-ups where you kind of talk about some projects that you've done, you're moving around, kind of running around, going to different locations. Um, is that because you have such kind of a small gear kit that it allows you or is that because the clientele wants a lot of different looks um how does traveling and working so light help you you know create these stunning images yeah it's exactly that it's 
is remaining nimble, mm-hmm. um, right? Kind of being stealthy, not being dragged down by heavy equipment and heavy stands that require an assistant. And, um, you know, I'm working in populated areas too that I, I don't want to be cumbersome on. I don't, I want to respect that space and other people. And I also don't want to worry about things maybe being snatched up. And so it's all about just keeping the gear close to me, working quickly, being nimble, being mobile, taking a, a large space, but getting maybe four or five looks from within that space, just from having moved a hundred yards away or, you know, say I go to the beach, I can shoot in the water. I can shoot back up on the strand. Maybe there's a, a boardwalk or some rocks that we can shoot on. So it doesn't require too much traveling. It's all on foot, but you can get it done pretty quickly because you're not dragging stuff around. Yeah. I just wanted to talk to you about uh, lighting for a second because you're for, for having basically one or two light sources, which is, you know, a speed light. And then you said you had a, uh, a reflector um, and then a scrim, which is kind of a, a modifier. You know, you, your work suggests a, in a much more advanced level of understanding lighting. Where did you learn lighting? Ooh, um, <laughs> I think you learn just from seeing, first of all, if you see you know, millions upon millions of images like I have, you start to see, I think, lighting in those. You kind of understand the physics of it and how it works. Um, but I will also say that through the entertainment design, when building movie posters and taking these assets that have various lighting directions on them and trying to make that blend and work together, then I'm forced to really understand, okay, how do I create a sense of light here? What, you know, what quality of light is that? What's the direction? I'm literally painting in shadows and highlights on streets and people. And so I think that has actually helped inform my photography as well. Um, and then I guess on, on location, it's just about what am I seeing? Uh, let's position the subject a certain way to make sure it's as flattering as possible given the ambient light. And then I'll just try to touch that up with, you know, kiss of light from the speed light or, or the reflector. And are you shooting your speed light basically directly onto the subject oftentimes, or are you bouncing it? Um, yeah, it's facing it's facing the subject. It okay. might be feathered a little bit. It has a small diffuser on it. Okay, because it, it it has the appeal of being contrasty, but also soft, uh, which I think is sometimes hard to pull off, especially with small light sources like speed lights. At least that's been my experience. Um, so I it's it's a a credit to you to have accomplished what you've accomplished with with just that kit, um, and not shooting it through let's say a a five foot octa. Right. Well, thank you. Um, and certainly I want to get that five foot octa at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I've, I've been pleasantly surprised with the results. And I, again, I think it's just trying to compose a, a flattering image with ambient and then introducing just a touch of light where it's needed. And I think that will give you those results. Right. Going back to your, your art direction days and now to your photography days, you know, we talked about it briefly, but like, what kind of trends did you see when you're seeing all these photographers either pitch you, this is my work, this is my book, and you see what gets finally, you know, resulted as the movie poster? What kind of trends did you see from a maybe a lighting perspective or a position perspective that really 
translates to what you do now? Well, um, actually, few of it really did translate to what I'm doing now because they were focused primarily on celebrity portraiture. Gotcha. And so they were working in tighter spaces. They were working on artificial sets they built. Um, maybe it's a an actor in a cool Cadillac, right? They're shooting through the door. Mm-hmm. They're out in the desert. So it wasn't so much sports related. And also they weren't shooting as wide, I guess, as, as, that I, as I shoot. Um, they were much tighter. Um, and it was really, you know, about that expression, about that mood of, of that celebrity. Um, but certain lighting trends I saw were the use of gels that, you know, a lot of um, complementary inverted colors, you know, from polar si- polar opposite sides of the subject mm-hmm. uh, being gelled off. Or again, I, I'm thinking of certain cars that celebs were in where they're shooting great light, you know, from maybe four feet off the ground, skimming through the windshield and across the talent and, you know, getting a sense of place, but you're being, but you're still pretty tight on the slab. I think those are always images that I appreciate and I love the lighting that they used. Yeah. It's always uh, beautiful. Yeah. I want to, I kind of pick your brain on you looking through so many images and that being kind of part of your, your art direction career. When you're now creating photography, are you worried of like, Oh, am I mimicking this image or, you know, how do I make something that's uniquely mine? Or are you just constantly pooling like, Oh, I like this color scheme. I like this pose. Cause I feel like sometimes if I go on Instagram for like an hour and I'm looking at all these great images, I kind of get a little bit discouraged or like over flooded with ideas. Yeah, I feel the same way. There is so much great work out there and I think Instagram can be very discouraging and <laughs> um, I think you got to ignore it because mm-hmm. I guess because if you listen to it, then what are you going to do? What are you going going to produce? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I guess with my own work, I'm not saying it's absolutely unique. I'm sure you could find all sorts of others who are shooting in a you know, similar fashion. But um, I feel like I've established a style that I can replicate over and over again. And it's something that, that I feel good about, that I'm drawn to. And so I'm going to keep shooting that way. And, and hopefully over time it gets refined further and it just becomes more uniquely my style. But um, certainly there's great guys out there that I admire or, you know, will question why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, given their, their talents. But I think you got to put that aside and just, just go do it because you are creative, right? Because you are yeah, passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, talk to me about, uh, I know you're, you're pretty minimalist, but you know, you have experience working with creative teams before. Do you usually have a creative team that you rely on? Do you use makeup artists, wardrobes, stylists, uh, things of that nature? Do you have assistants or is it pretty much just you and the models? It's pretty much me. I have hired assistants before and they are certainly helpful. Um, I, I like that. It's good to have just an extra set of hands. It frees up my mind from having to be so responsible on, on set for everything. So I like that. I've worked with a couple of makeup artists. Uh, it's always nice to have them come in and many of them are trying to grow their own careers. So they're using these shoots as ways to get further experience and they've They've told me they like my images, and so so they want to be a part of that. Um, but I've also realized that sometimes it can be distracting with those people on set, and I think I might get better images when it's just me and the model, mm-hmm. because there's just truly no other distraction. And 
um, I'm trying to to shoot that way more now, um, even though I could always use an extra set of hands. You mentioned earlier that you're often shooting in locations where there's a lot of people, you know, just enjoying either the scenery or their day. Um, and looking through your images, it makes it, it makes it seem like you have the beach closed off or, you know, the Canyon closed off and it's only you and your subject. Um, are you constantly like tilting your lens or angling different? Are you using Photoshop to brush people out? Uh, how do you balance that between public space and you trying to get the final product? Yeah, it's been, um, I guess, improvisational once you're there on location, mm-hmm. trying to use angles to your advantage to to give that sense that no one else is there. Um, you know, maybe you have to snap quickly to get that shot before that person walks through your scene in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just kind of working around those challenges. I think you want to set up the shot that you want. You want to find that point of view that you re- you really like. And then you may have to wait for that moment to clear out. And then that's when you take the shot. Gotcha. But, um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about um, working with models for a second, because I've worked with a bunch of models and it's always a fun experience. I really enjoy it. But what have you picked up, if anything, about how you articulate body language to somebody who is either trained or untrained at being in front of the camera? Does anything stand out in terms of a technique that you rely on? So uh, that you didn't have when you first started about, you know, move your body this way or this way, or do this, or is it just instinctively, you know, relying on the subject that has the expertise? Yeah, I think I've, it, it benefits them when you can show them certain poses, they kind of need a visual reference themselves. So if you can kind of mimic it for them, that helps. That's one technique. Another one is to bring set of images that are strictly for posing inspiration mm-hmm. and that I found that to be helpful because I think even with a model being experienced, they sometimes can maybe freeze up or, you know, kind of forget or, or just get stuck in their own poses that they always go to. Right. So bringing something as a visual reference helps to kind of set a baseline. And then from there, I let them go. I try to let them let them do what makes them look their best and, mm-hmm. and build upon that pose. Do you do a lot of work? I know you do a lot of work with solo models, solo athletes, but do you do group shots? Do you kind of get together, um, you know, three or four athletes and do your own kind of creative lifestyle shoots as well? Or is it because of 2020 something that you're kind of avoiding? Um, it's something that just hasn't occurred. It's definitely a challenge that I want to accomplish and, and, get a set of images that do incorporate two or three athletes together. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. I think the coordination is often a big challenge getting two or three strangers to come together along with you on the right date. Um, yeah. is challenging because it's, it's tough enough with just that single model. But, um, I think if I can get into the outdoor space, uh, where I'm meeting, you know, friends who are all climbers or who are all mountain bikers, then that's going to present some opportunities where I can do some group shots. Right. Um, when you're, you're out and about at, let's say like a location in either a public park or out on a beach and you and the uh, model have decided you want like two or three outfit changes. Um, when you're scouting, do you find like, okay, this is where the closest public bathroom is. You could change. Do you have one of those pop-up tents? Um, how do you go about, you know, having different, looks and clothes on a model in maybe one or two locations. 
yeah, I've I've been mindful of that. I've I've tried to be aware of okay, where can this person change, especially female. Is there a public bathroom nearby? And on some occasions, there is that bathroom, and it works really well. Um, other times, there's been pretty, you know, fearless models that just do it and, and can change pretty quickly out in the open, or they've got their own tricks on how to do it in a kind of covert way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't have a pop-up tent, but I do have a huge beach towel, and I've I've been able to, you know, wrap that around the models, and they'll they'll change within that sort of teepee, I guess, of a tent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of trust right there. I'm, I certainly want to remain as professional as possible and respectful um, of their comfort level. It's an option that has worked and the models have, have been fine with that. So it's about being mindful of those things, but, you know, preparing for it and, and being improvisational. So, in terms of personal versus professional work, you know, how important is it for you to keep constantly creating your own kind of personal assignments? I think it's very important to keep doing that. It's what keeps you fresh. It's what keeps you creative. Um, it allows you, you know, to achieve new results that you haven't had the chance to do on a page shoot. Um, I think in my in the paid shoots and maybe when I'm focused on say the, the athleisure wear or the active wear on the beach, those are kind of straightforward shoots. Um, I don't stray too much from what I'm doing in those shoots, but I would say when it comes to, uh, you know, the rock climbing, that's when I can be more creative. There's a lot more openness to it um, from a, you know, I guess a creative standpoint. So it's in those moments where maybe I'm trying to push myself a lot more and see what I can come up with in a more challenging environment. Yeah, I think that's one of the the great benefits of personal work is, you know, like if you fail at the project or you don't get the image you like, you know, there's no paid client that is at the other end disappointed as well, you know. Um, And I think that helps you produce better work with paid clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've got to, you know, they say fail harder, right? You've got to yeah. fail more often and and utilize these moments to see, you know, do I have the chops for this or not? Can I um, reach a new echelon? Um, and if I fail, so be it. I probably learn something from that, and I can I can attempt it again later. And that's a that's a great thing towards progress. Uh, speaking of of failure, I feel like we always learn a lot more from our failures. Um, do you have maybe like a story of something you've, you were doing at a photo? Uh, yeah. Do you have a story of a failure during either a photo assignment or were you an art director or an interesting story that might be some good advice to a younger uh, person in the start of their career? Um, the one that comes to mind was a project I did in Portland where I was taking portraits, corporate portraits uh, for a company. And I think I was shooting in one afternoon, maybe it was two sessions, but I recall going home and processing some of these images and somehow deleting what I had shot oh, off mm. that card. I <laughs> Thankfully, that's the one time and only time I've ever done that. And that was years ago, but um, I couldn't believe I did that. I was stunned, but you know, you, you just, you, you own it, you face up. I called them back. I explained what happened. And we just rescheduled to shoot again and, and do those shots over. And thankfully, they were understanding. And thankfully, they were 
you know, not someone who was traveling and, and right. suddenly was out of town. They were just, they were in town. So I went back and shot and got those images and, you know, the client never knew about it, but um, that was a secret between me and <laughs> <laughs> that company. <laughs> so you, you spend some time obviously in Portland, but you also spend time in Los Angeles. Um, what's that like kind of being a by city type of photographer and creative? Well, um, you know, Portland is sort of home and I, it has a unique culture up here in the Pacific Northwest and it's, it's home to a lot of beautiful locations. And so I'm, I'm always drawn to that. And, um, I think I want to utilize more of this space in 2021. I want to utilize more of these outdoor opportunities to shoot up here. Um, but LA has been such a great place to work just because it has such an amazing economy. It's so creatively driven. That's where the movie poster business happens and really only there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I spent nearly a decade there. Um, it's only now that I'm kind of back up in Portland based on COVID, but, um, we'll see where things go. I, I do hope to kind of return to LA and, and return to Portland, kind of do the somewhat of a snowbird thing if I can. <laughs> when you are doing your shoots, um, I'm always curious about this, about where people live around the country, because Los Angeles and California in general has a, um, a way with permits. You know, they really love their permits. And <laughs> everywhere else, every photographer I talk to that lives somewhere else in the country, they're like, oh, we don't deal with that at all. Do you deal with that in Portland? I, um, no, I personally have not. I think there's going to be certain parks there, though, that will require it because they are such um, kind of precious gems of the city. Gotcha. But I would say for the most part, the culture outside of Southern California is so much more laid back and, and trusting, you know, LA is plagued by the fact there's so many people there. Everyone um, is looking for a dollar, right? Um, there's trust issues, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, once you're outside that space, I think things really open up and again, just be respectful, you know, as long as you're respectful, and understand, hey, this is probably why they want a permit from you, mm -hmm. then, you know, treat it accordingly. What's your editing process like? Um, it's using Lightroom and a little bit of Photoshop at the end, but um, Lightroom's the, the primary processor. And boy, um, you know, after a shoot, I think I'm just calling the images down, looking for all the bad ones and tossing those and honing in on those, those five-star images, if, if there are any. And um, that's also kind of a personal preference, which evolves over time. So, you know, one day I might be editing and I'm, I'm tagging things as four and five stars. And then tomorrow I come back and I realize that's a, that's a three-star or mm -hmm. a delete. So yeah. it does kind of change based on, I think on, on your mindset, where you are and getting, you know, a fresh set of eyes too. Now, would you classify uh, yourself as a, a heavy shooter? Like, do you take, 5,000 pictures on a small shoot or are you more conservative? Like, you know, taking 200. Yeah, I'm more conservative. I, I even kind of write about that on my website. Um, I say I'm not the churn and burn photographer, right? I'm really opposed to that. Not to say that there might be anything wrong with that. I just don't like to shoot that way. I would, um, I would have just much rather get the shot set up Again, it's through the, through the art direction, right? Let's get the shot set up, mm -hmm. get things positioned nicely, you know, present a, a good case um, for success to happen, and then shoot. 
So I would, I would rather edit 200 images than 500 or a thousand. Yeah. Do you tend to talk to your, um, the models you're working with about that side of the process of like, look, we're going to be a little bit maybe slower, not as, um, you know, shutter heavy, or do they just not even notice and you just kind of take control? Um, the one time I had a bit of pushback on that was when I hired a pro model, female model who certainly was very experienced. She was very good, but she was coming from a fashion world where it's bang, 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 right? It's, it's snap pop pose. And, and so I told her up front, I'm not going to shoot that way. I want things a certain way. I want them set this way. And I'm going to direct you on that. And I don't think she fully understood that or accepted that. And so we had to kind of work through that over the, the two hour session and it wasn't terrible, but um, it kind of, it forced me to adjust on the fly mm-hmm. and it probably was a good thing to, to attempt to, to shoot in a much more rapid pace, but hopefully she also learned something too, where um, I was able to direct her and she could feel comfortable in, in slowing her posing down. Um, when you're, when you're working with these models are, and you're snapping photos and you think you have the look, are you, you know, turning around and showing them the camera to maybe build trust or are you just, okay, cool. I know we got it. Let's move on to the next pose. Yeah. I'm happy to show those images to them. I like to kind of get things underway, you know, get through sort of a, a warm up phase, get some, some shots in the can, so to speak, and then Mm -hmm. show them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I don't want to slow things down by constantly showing them these images. Um, I think it's also hard to look at the screen in bright sunlight. Yeah, it is. You know, the things aren't retouched. I think it's, you can only get so much out of it, but it does help give them some, some trust and to let them see their body, see how they might be able to improve that. So it's certainly helpful. And I do that. I think sometimes uh, my experience with models is very similar to every once in a while, most people are going to be really chill. You know, and then every once in a while, you get somebody that is very hyper in tune to being into a rhythm because they, you know, you, you kind of empathize with their situation. Our minds are going like a million miles an hour, you know, assessing a location, the lighting, everything. Uh, they're just chilling and waiting around for you to set up your shot. So sometimes I can understand their uh, appreciation for a faster pace, like let's go, let's hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. I think, um, yeah, that's true. And you want to, you want to jive with that model, right? So if you need to flex and adjust, you should do that. You want to have a good outcome regardless. Um, and it's a good creative challenge for yourself. Yeah. It's it's just uh, a lot of give and take, you know, you, you, you'll find models that are easy to work with and some that are a little bit challenging and photographers the same way. Right, right. And I definitely pride myself on being, I think a a nice photographer, someone who's not going to be chippy or insulting i you know there's just no place for that in my opinion Mm -hmm. so i want to have a good time with these people um i was going to say though back to that that model i hired you know maybe she wasn't the right model for that type of shoot and that's a good learning experience right there she was coming from a fashion background where you know when she's being hired for say a catalog shoot and you have the the half day to shoot but you need three thousand images yeah you're gonna you're gonna shoot pretty quickly and so in those studio situations, things are locked in and it's just about giving that variety of poses, right? And, and trying to find that nice crisp shot. In my shooting though, I don't need that that quantity. 
I'm I'm looking for kind of just that one moment and then we're good. Right. Um, when you're you're trying to find that moment with the model, how do you help you know kind of direct them with their posing? Uh, I feel like when you're starting out or you're a younger photographer, it's hard to kind of take that initiative and you know turn a little bit this way, maybe flex a little bit more. Do you have any advice to uh, younger photographers? Um, it's to always be clear, right? Be clear with your direction and be um, convincing about it. Don't don't be wishy washy or say you know, Hey, can he kind of do this kind of do that or flex a little bit? I think it's, I think I've found greater success when I'm very strong with what I'm saying, not in a mean way, but just like direct. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually realizing that the model actually has a lot more to give than they're letting on. They kind of, um, I think they've got a lot of reserve energy that they are holding back just because they're unsure about the situation. And it's when I'm able to really get lively with them and tell them, Hey, I want to see you sweating, right? I want to see you working hard. This is not going to be easy. This is a, mm-hmm. you know, fitness shoot. So, uh, I, I expect you to go hard at that point. I think it frees them up to be looser and then you're getting more intensity from them. And that results in a much more natural and dynamic image. Where do you go to get your models? Do you go to different agencies? Do you kind of go the, um, Craigslist or model mayhem route? How do you normally kind of outsource that? Um, I've reached out on Instagram. That's been helpful Mm -hmm. and and very easy to do. Um, But I had the most luck going through an agency in LA um, who actually has an office in Portland too called Sports and Lifestyle Unlimited. And it was through them that I was trying to get on their radar and get on their short list as a photographer who was available, you know, in LA to shoot new talent or experienced talent who wanted to update their portfolios. So through them, I was able to get access to a number of qualified fit models that were professional and, and had a need. And so that was, that yeah. worked by far better than any Craigslist model. Right. And, and I've worked with them as well. They it, It's actually paid off very well. Like they, uh, they do a nice job and I still keep in touch with a couple of the models that I've shot through them. Um, you know, your transition into this niche of photography in terms of commercial lifestyle type of brand, the athletic, um, how much of that was a product of just being an athlete yourself? Or was it also something that you just wanted that control over what you were going to shoot as opposed to does, I guess my roundabout question is, you know, would shooting a a wedding or a sport sporting game give you like a lot of anxiety because you don't have that much control over what happens? Hmm. Uh, maybe I did. Um, I was a second shooter on a wedding years ago and that was pretty horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, uh, that was just no fun at all. And I realized I didn't like having to interject in these, you know, these people's, precious moment and say, Hey, let's get a group shot right here. I did not want to do that. I didn't enjoy that at all. And, um, so yeah, I think control is probably a part of my game. I do like that. I like, um, again, putting together the components of a nice image and not to say I'm trying to make everything so artificial and contrived, but just again, utilizing a given space, a given model, what, what beauty can we pull from this? And that's, that is, requiring some control. Yeah, I definitely agree with the, uh, I do a lot of uh, wedding work 
And I agree that sometimes trying to pull people together, it's just like, oh, I want, I don't want to ruin this moment. And then you're trying to find that balancing act of, yeah, like being a fly on the wall slash making great photos that, you know, they'll hang over their uh, fireplaces. Yeah, I would prefer to do, say, engagement portraits, right? Or go go be one-on-one with the bride and, and make some great portraits. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely do a lot better in these more direct connections where, you know, I'm talking to that person, they're listening to me, they, they see me, we're, we're sharing a vision. Those are much better moments than sort of in the chaotic, um, you know, reception after mm-hmm. the wedding. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to talk those, to Yeah, those moments are too, they're too, um, they're too big and, and, and noisy, I guess. So I want to talk to you about how clients or collaborators experience the process of working with you. I think that's something that uh, has, for me, really been pushed to the forefront of my like 2021 bulletin board is creating that experience as enjoyable for the people that I'm shooting for. Um, walk me through your process, either with a client or a model or an agency, how you ensure that you're enriching that party's experience. Um, I think it's about starting with clear expectations. So if I'm talking to that agency, they, they, they'll give me a direction that they kind of want to see. And from there, I tell them, okay, I've got a great place in mind. I know we can get this. I know the right time of day to achieve these results. And you're just reassuring them that you know what they're talking about, that, they, that you see their vision. And then, um, you know, on location the day of, you want to be prepared. You want to be presentable and set up and ready to shoot and, and know exactly what your first shot's going to be and what your last shot's going to be. And you want to make that model feel like they're in great hands, um, that they don't have anything to worry about. They're going to be taken care of. And you're sharing that creative journey with them right throughout the day. You're, you're giving them the feedback through direction. You're showing some of their own images on the camera you're letting them know, hey, that was a great shot. Our next shot's going to be this. I want to switch into that wardrobe. You're just always kind of staying one step ahead and letting them know that you are fully in control. Um, if you have a, an assistant there or a makeup artist, you you know you expect them to be professional too, and you want them to be uh, you know, working through you and communicating through you, not so much with the model. And throughout this whole crew, you're presenting a certain image of professionalism. And I think that translates well to the model at the end of the shoot. And they look back, I think, uh, you know, with a sense of positivity about it. I've, I've heard great, you know, great compliments and many testimonials from models I've shot with in the past um, who are very appreciative of the images once they get them. And I think uh, the agencies have been happy with, with what I've done as well. And there's never been sort of, oh, what was that? Like we were way off the mark there. Like it was, it's always been on target. So it's right. about keeping that ultimate target in mind the whole time and being professional. That's, that's a good segue. You know, you mentioned to, um, testimonials, which I think is a great feature that you put on your website. And I actually like the fact that you, you separated a page for your services. So you have not only your testimonials, but you also have a breakdown of your services, your package rates, and my favorite, which is an FAQ segment, which I think is so beneficial for people that are looking to work with you. Um, I would imagine at one point you probably didn't have all these details fleshed out when you started. So how did this decision come about? And what was the like aha moment that made you say, I need to implement this. This is going to really separate me. 
Um, it was, yeah, you're right. It came over time. It didn't happen from the very beginning. It's always a learning process. And it came from just having repeated experiences with models who would ask the same question, right? Or have the same concerns. And so um, I want to communicate that. And I think many times I'm surprised a lot of people uh, maybe don't, don't read the fine print or don't, you know, do more research on their own. Um, Cause I make it all available and I, I want to give a crystal clear picture um, to them about what they can expect from me. So whether they read it or not, I guess that's up to them, but I, I make it available because it's helpful and I think it should be there. And it also helps me kind of self-reflect, you know, am I, am what I'm saying resonating? Is that true? Is that accurate? You know, and, and do I, do I agree with those terms myself? Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't, I'm going to edit that and make it more fitting. And I think it's helpful to the model as well. Yeah. I've, I'm always trying to, I like the style of your, your website. It's very clean. Uh, I feel like it displays the the images. Great. Um, I'm always trying to update, you know, either my photos, the look and feel of my website. Uh, how'd you go about kind of putting that together? You know? Um, baby steps, you know, just chipping away at it. And it's kind of like editing your images too. You realize one day, Hey, I think this is the best thing ever. This is great. And then you come back a week later and you realize, wow, that's, that's presented wrong or that, that wording is inaccurate or it it could be, it could be better. It could be more lively or something like that. So it's kind of doing these constant check-ins with the website over time you know, Mm -hmm. as your tastes change and as your experience changes, um, coming back with fresh eyes and realizing, Oh, here's a, here, here's an opportunity where I can make a significant edit or wow, I really need to add this component to the site. Um, those, those answers become clear over time. For 2021. I mean, we, we're all going to try to do our, our very best to kind of ramp up our creative projects, but also our marketing. Is there something that you know, you have lined up that you like, I want, I want to lean into this. I want to lean into maybe print promotion or, um, you know, whatever it may more social media. Is there anything that you're looking to add to your marketing process? I think a print promo would be awesome. And I love it just coming from a design standpoint. I would love to make one of those. My hesitation has been, is this going to be a good ROI? And truly who am I sending this to? You know, I want to make sure my, my contact list is accurate. Like you said earlier, am I speaking to the right person? Exactly. You know, am I wasting my time talking to this person or not? And, you know, you never get much feedback whether it hits or not. <laughs> and so it's hard to know, was that person the right person despite them not getting back to me, right? That, that's, that's absolutely right. Like is my whole reservation, because I love the idea of print promotion. I love the idea of building your own magazines, your promo cards, whatever it may be, um, even small little affordable books now you can make and sending them out. But you just don't know if it's going to hit the desk of the right person or if it's just going to go right into the trash can because it's like, oh, this is not my department. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I would love to make these things. I think they're they're so fun to have. And I don't know why I don't have them right now. But it's just based on weighing time and money and effort. And where do I, you know, where do I put my energy to, to right. get a good result? Um, is there something I that think, you, you, you have noticed has been a more successful ROI for, for, for you? Hmm. I don't know. Um, 
I mean, I think, I guess word of mouth is the ultimate. Yeah. If I can get more people I've worked with to advocate for me, to, you know, to mention my name, to keep me more top of mind in, in certain moments, that would be the best. And you can't control that, but you can hope for the best. And um, I think if you continue to work with certain people over and over again, then you become more top of mind. And, and that, that has a lot to do with what we talked about earlier with these, the short list of photographers, again, clients having a, a relationship, a friendly relationship with some of these photographers and just knowing them well, partying with them, right. Going to their birthdays and trusting them. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it. And so there's no formula for that. It's very organic. It takes time, but um, in some cases it happens and it's very beneficial. Is that something that you, you learned along the journey of like it, or is that something that you found came organic to you? The, the discovery of the you know, fact like, that clients like, are, are hanging out with these photographers. Exactly. And you have to kind of, of be work. in the, those social circles or trying to find the right people to interact with. Yeah, I think that's true. Given any profession you're in, um, I think advertising is quite social and the parties are pretty consistent. Um, so the networking is constantly going on. It's a small industry, especially entertainment advertising. It's very small. Um, most likely the person, you know, has worked with the other person, you know, and, um, you, you hang out with other creatives, illustrators, artists, photographers. Um, so that networking is always happening and it's, it is very critical and it, it pays off in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's always great to meet someone down the road who you've got this mutual connection with and you realize, oh, wow, I, we, you know, we share this in common and you, you build a rapport pretty quickly because of that. Um, at these, you know, ragers that you've, you've been to, yeah. I'm, I'm just assuming <laughs> no, in my head. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Um, what, what kind of uh, advice have you received either directly or just talking to these photographers that you kind of view as, okay, these are the elite? Um, what did you take away from them? Is it, was there something that really stuck to you as like a piece of counsel that was transformative and like, ah, okay, uh, I'm going to remember this. Boy, I don't know. I think there's still a lot of mystery to these people because I'm not near their level at all. And I still wonder how the heck they got there. Not because they're not talented, but just because of the immense challenges it takes, you know, to overcome. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know they're not overnight successes by any means, but certainly they've reached this level that's just incredible to me. And um, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just baby steps, right? It's just yeah. doing one good job after another. And it's continuing to be aware and to have your name out there to make a good impression on a, on as many people as possible. And then your name starts to show up again more often. So from being on the other side of like the table of a, like a photography pitch where these people are presenting you their ideas, their concepts, their works. Um, was there a presentation that really stood out as either more effective or simply just more memorable? Um, well, I wasn't ever in the room with say these formal presentations. I don't think they were ever making those types of pitches where you might critique how they presented or, gotcha. you know, were they mm-hmm. on the mark, but it was through portfolio showings. And many times that was with the photographer themselves or might be with their rep. And every time someone came in, it was always a great experience. And I would say no one photographer was any better than the other or presented it in a special way that made a huge impression. 
they all were pros. They all came in with iPads, large leather bound portfolio books, you know, great prints and just a depth and breadth of work that basically spoke for itself, right? They had nothing, uh, they didn't have to compromise themselves in any way or make up for any shortcomings. It was legit work. And so it was always fascinating as an art director to go through that work, just again, to see the immense body of work that they had amassed. And you, you wanted so badly like them to give them a job, right? Give them that next shoot. Cause right. you would love to work with them and receive those images. Again, it's out of our control, but you certainly are, are, are pitching for them when you can. Do you have any, um, you know, insider information to maybe help us get into those rooms or when you're in that conversation, you're showing your work, you know, like don't do this or, or do that. Is there any, you know, moments that you could, uh, spare with us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a, a big one again is confidence is coming in there with work that you can comfortably sit by, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You don't have to justify anything. You don't have to justify any weak images or explain, you know, it, it didn't quite go this way. I was hoping for this, but you know, here, here it is. It's walking in there with top notch work where you don't have to do the talking yourself at all, right? You're just mm-hmm. there to say, here's what I'm capable of. And that work goes a long ways. Um, I think, again, being friendly, being being cool, being fun to be around, sharing some anecdotes about certain shoots, how this went down, or um, you know, a funny thing that that celebrity said or did that day, or you know, a funny moment that you remember. Those mm-hmm. are great to share. Um, and two, or three, I guess, is having a rep that can can get in there and have those meetings for you when maybe you're shooting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're not able to get in the room yourself physically, but the reps can be there to share your work. And I think that's immensely helpful. Did you find that most photographers had reps? I Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. And while I probably spoke to the ph- photographers more personally than their reps more often, I'm sure they had a rep. And I, I think, I think that just, um, is a given at that, at that level, especially, um, I think when they're being bombarded with so many inquiries, right. With so much potential mm-hmm. work and projects, they mm-hmm. need a rep or someone to manage those calls, to manage a schedule and to say, you know, it's, it's not going to work in this lot of time, but maybe next month, you know, I think, I think guys who are working at that level, um, are too busy to to possibly manage those calls. I'm not I'm not certain for sure, but I, that's my guess. Right. And um, you know, we're, just, we're 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 wrapping up here, and, and this has been such a wealth of information and just at least insight for sure. Um, what do you want to get out of 2021 that you didn't get out of 2020? Other than you know, let's say uh, more clients and things of that nature. But um, what kind of proactive measures do you want to take in 2021? Boy, I guess it's just to continue to climb that ladder, right? To do something unexpected, to do something I've never done before. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think once I do it, then I will certainly recognize it. Um, It's trying to probably set up more challenging shoots, you know, through as a way to separate yourself as a photographer, you're going to have to challenge yourself and you're going to have to put yourself in situations that are probably uncomfortable physically to pull off mm. or, you know, technically 
something you haven't done before. And so you're going to have to learn how to do it and practice. And it's through those moments, I think you will, if you, you know, successfully manage that and can achieve it, then you've reached a new echelon, which is a part of growth and progress. So we're basically assuming that we're going to see you skydiving and swimming <laughs> with great white sharks in 2021. I, yeah, I think I am alluding to that. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to see that. Um, what, do you, what do you think has been maybe your best piece of advice, whether it was an, a, an actual piece of advice or just a lesson that you've learned that in any creative capacity has made you who you are right now and, and, and been transformative in your growth? Um, one that's always stuck with me is let passion lead and procedure will follow. I like that because it's a good reminder when you might find yourself hung up in the details or talking yourself out of a situation, um, saying, I can't do this because I'm going to, you know, these logistics are crazy or that permit is too expensive or Mm -hmm. how am I really going to pull that off? Forget all of that. Just go with the passion, right? Go with the idea, go with what's driving you. Yeah, to achieve a certain image, get that going, and then the procedure and the details can follow up later, and they and they often fall into place. That is that is such yeah. exactly what I need to hear sometimes because I am that guy where I I am always dealing with logistical issues. I'm like, okay, well, you know, how would I go about doing this? I know I want to do it, but you know, the city is going to require X and Y and Z you know, the, the subjects and the, the travel and what kind of money am I going to need to put, pull this project off? Um, that's a great piece of advice, you know, and one that I'll, I'll definitely be looking into 2021, just kind of just repeat that for me again, let passion lead. Yeah. Let passion lead and procedure will follow. Love it. Awesome. Tyler, um, before we wrap things up, is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with and where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me at my website, tylerdouglasphoto.com and on Instagram at LA underscore photog underscore Tyler. Awesome. Um, yeah. Last piece of advice though. Um, boy, I guess it's, it's, it's be your own person, right? Be your own brand. Go do you, um, stop caring about what other people think. And I think that's going to set you free. Awesome. That is a great jumping point for us in 2021. Tyler, I just want to say thank you once again for coming on the show, joining Michael and I having this great conversation. Um, it's been a blast. Yeah, it's so, been awesome. So thank you. Thank you, guys. It's, it's my pleasure. I was really excited to be here. So I'm glad we did this. Awesome. So everybody listening, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to give us a like or a subscription. Also, don't forget to check out our website, media1099.com. I'm Robert Husky here with Michael Durr as always, and we will catch you on the next episode.